Welcome to Arise Church, where we exist so that you can experience God. I pray that this message will encourage, inspire, and grow your faith in God. Enjoy the message. How are we doing this morning? Good. Well, my name is Ken, and I get the privilege of being the executive pastor here at Arise, and we're going to continue to experience God just like you've already been. Man, God was moving during worship, wasn't he? Come on. Come on. So cool to see uh, and to experience His presence because we believe that God's presence can be experienced. And when we do, God changes everything, doesn't He? Yeah, in fact, there was a moment uh, with somebody who attends our South Shore campus just uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, that we just heard about. Really, really cool moment. Their daughter, they they had a three-year-old daughter. Their daughter was having heart issues, and she had had multiple surgeries on her heart, and she was only three years old. Pretty traumatic for a young child like that. Well, they, they had been really wrestling with that and struggling with that, and they, they found out that they were going to have to put her through another surgery. There was fluid on her heart that was building up, and the doctors were very, very concerned, and they were going to have to do another surgery on her heart. And a, a, fl- a friend flew into town and was supposed to be just passing through. But her second flight got delayed. Now, isn't it just like God to use a flight delay for a miracle? Something that should make us annoyed and frustrated, but when we listen to Him and are obedient to Him, He can do big things with them, right? Well, here's what she did. She heard God say, hey, call and reach out to this friend. And so this friend who was from out of town called this lady who attends our South Shore location. And she said, hey, listen, God, uh, I'm stuck here in Tampa. And I I feel like God wants me to just come and and spend a little bit of time with you and just hang out with you. And uh, she came and just spent some time with them and said, hey, can I pray with you? I feel like there's something standing in the way of you connecting with God. I feel like, you know, the, I know that your daughter's going through this. I just feel like we need to pray over that. But I feel like we need to pray over you connecting with God as well. And so she began to pray and prayed over that little girl. Well, a couple of days later, they went into the hospital to go and have that surgery. The doctor walks into the room and says, hey, nurse, I'm lo- I looked through the stack of images that are in there. And I can't find this girl's image of her heart so that we can go ahead and do the surgery. Can you go find that? The nurse looked at her like, doctor, you crazy. She said, "Um, doctor, it's in there. He said, no, 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 I didn't see the image. It's not there. She said, doctor, it's the top image. It's right on top. He said, no, it's not. The the picture on top is of a perfect heart. Look at God, when He does miracles, when He intersects with people, He even demonstrates it through the medical community in ways that they can't even explain. Why? Because when He intersects with us, God changes things. He changes things. Well, you know, I have some children too. How many of you may have a a child that is a little bit uh, stubborn? Maybe you could even say strong-willed. 
I have an amazing 22-year-old daughter, 23-year-old daughter. She's going to get me for that one. 23-year-old daughter. She is an RN uh, at, the, at the pediatric ER at Lakeland Regional. She's incredible. She's, she's working right there right now. And, you know, when she was young, she was about three years old, she thought that she would get it over on mom and dad. And she was a bit strong-willed. We had a rule about dinner. You know, every family has rules about dinner, right? Like you got to eat your vegetables and all this kind of stuff. Well, we had a rule about dinner. Here is the rule. You're going to finish what's on your plate. If you don't finish what's on your plate, that's fine. You can't have dessert. You can go to bed. We'll put it in the fridge. You can have it tomorrow. That's fine. No worries. We're not going to fight you. But you're also not going to win. Well, my daughter at three years old thought that she could get one over on mom and dad. And so she decided, because she did not like red sauce or spaghetti, she decided, I know how I can get out of eating my spaghetti. I'll fall asleep at the table. (laughs) So as she tells it, even now, she put her head down on the table and just pretended like she was sleeping. And she remembers, she goes, Dad, I remember you carrying me into the bedroom thinking, oh yeah, I won now. I didn't have to eat my spaghetti. But wait a minute, if she didn't eat her spaghetti, she'd just go to bed anyway. So who won? (laughs) She thought she won. But I don't know about you, but I'm kind of like that sometimes too with God. See, there are sometimes he asks me to do something. And like I said, I don't know about you. I know all y'all are holy in here, but sometimes I don't like what he asked me to do. Sometimes it doesn't feel real comfortable. Sometimes it's scary. Sometimes it's intimidating. Sometimes I try to find my way around it. Okay, God, I won't do that, but I'll... I'll come and pray, Lord. Lord, I'll turn my worship music on. Am I the only one? Okay. Y'all making me feel like I'm really sinful here. Well, let let me ask you this question. What if God asked you to do something that was uncomfortable for you? What if maybe he asked you to do something that you didn't want to do? How do we react? There's a story in the Bible that talks about this idea, this very idea. It's in the Old Testament in the book of Jonah. The book of Jonah is is written about a man who was a prophet in the nation of Israel. He was a prophet among God's people. And God told him one day that he was supposed to go to this place, Nineveh. And he was supposed to tell them a message. Now, Nineveh is a really, really bad place. Like, Nineveh was the capital of a country called Assyria. We could find it on the map in modern-day Iraq. It was a place that was known for its bloodshed and its cruelty. They worshipped idols, idols even that required child sacrifice. It was a bad place. And Nineveh, or the Assyrian Empire, and Israel didn't get along. Eventually, down the road, Assyria would take away ten tribes of Israel, lead them into captivity, 
And we don't hear from those ten tribes anymore in history as they were lost to us. Israel and Assyria would fight back and forth and there were, there were wars and battles that were fought between them. And the Israelites didn't like the Assyrians. And then God went and asked Nona, Jonah, not Nona, Jonah, <laughs> to go do something that just didn't make a whole lot of sense. Jonah chapter 1 verse 2 says, The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. Now I can imagine Jonah looking at that going, God, really? They're bad. Like, Lord, you don't understand. They're messed up. They're weirdos. And they don't like us. They don't treat us very nice. And you look, do you want me to go there? Lord, did you hear what they do to people? Like, they cut people who come in who aren't from there. Lord, they're crazy. I don't want to go there. And Lord, not only that, but if I go there, and I tell them that you're going to have judgment on them, what happens if they repent? Say, Lord, you're warning them. Well, Lord, just strike them dead. Strike them dead, Lord. Thunder, lightning. Come on, God. I don't need to go tell them. You need to get them. You ever felt like that? Lord, that promotion, that was mine. You need to get them. They took credit for my job, the work that I did on that. You need to get them. Come on, Lord. Justice and be my right hand and my strong talent. All that. Come on, Lord. But Jonah says, Lord, if, if they repent, if you're warning them, that means you like them. That means, if you're, Lord, if you're warning them, that means you want them to repent. Lord, they're bad. B-A-D. Lord, do you know how to spell bad? Have y'all ever had conversations like this with God? I, I'm telling on myself. Y'all seeing some of the inner workings of Pastor Ken, my prayer time. God and I have these arguments um, where God's telling me to do something and Pastor Ken just... Y'all ever have those? Y'all going to have to help me not feel like such a sinner up here today, okay? And God says, yes, go to Nineveh. Go to Nineveh. Now, here's the thing. God is calling us to deliver a message too. God didn't just call Nineveh or Jonah. Now, in the Old Testament, God called individual people, certain people, for a specific message to give. But in the New Testament, when Jesus died and rose again, everything changed. Because, see, now God is calling all of us through Jesus to give a message. 
He's calling all of us. See, Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 28, 18 to 20, this is right after he rose from the dead. He said, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of only the people that you like. Go and make disciples of all the people in your political party. No, no, no. He says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. And here's the beautiful thing. We don't have to deliver a message of judgment like Jonah did. Our message is good news. Jonah's, was, Jonah's message was, repent or y'all going to die. Our message is, Jesus has come to this earth because he loves you, but he didn't come to dominate or control. He came to die for you. He came to die for you because he cares about you. He cares about the mess that you find yourself in. He cares about the junk that you're going through. He cares about you to every last part of you, and he wants a relationship with you. He has life for you, not only in the future forever, but also right here on earth. This is our message. Our message is good news. This is what God has for us to share. It's the news that says to the young woman that I talked to just this morning who said, Pastor Ken, a year ago, God saved me from alcoholism. He brought me out of alcoholism. See, this is the good news that I'm talking about. It's the good news that puts marriages back together. It's the good news that brings us and heals us from depression. See, this, this good news changes everything. So, so God has called us all to go out and give a message, and this message is good news. And we have a choice to make. See, Jonah stood and looked at his choice. The Bible tells us in verse 3 that Jonah got up and went in the same direction as the Lord said. He was obedient. He was a good little boy. No. Jonah was a little bit more like you and I sometimes. Jonah got up. So Jonah did part of what God said because God said, get up. <laughs> you ever done that? Lord, I obeyed the first part. But Jonah looked at that crossroads and he said, oh man, I don't want to go there. God, they're bad. They're evil. God, they, I don't even know if they deserve your love, God. And, and Lord, what happens if I go and they repent? Lord, don't you know that if I say you're going to judge this place and it doesn't happen, they're going to stone me for being a false prophet? See, that's what could happen in the Old Testament. If your prophecy didn't come true, you were considered a false prophet. You could be stoned. So Jonah 
gets up and he looks to his northeast where the city of Nineveh would be from where he lived. And he said, nah, no, I don't think I want to go there. And so instead, he begins walking southwest to the port of Joppa. And he says, where can I go where I can get away from what the Lord's asking me to do? Let me find the farthest place that I can find, this place called Tarshish. Now, Tarshish was in modern-day Spain on the other side of the Mediterranean. It was known as the end of the world. So Jonah, to get away from going to Nineveh, went to the end of the world. And y'all say, this is a messed up dude. But here's the thing. We all come to a crossroads. And there's something unique about crossroads. See, at a crossroad, we have to make a decision. At a spiritual crossroad, we have to decide, are we going to go God's way, the way that he's instructed me, or am I going to go my way? But here's the interesting thing about a crossroad. See, at a crossroad, something must die. And at the crossroad of God's calling, what's going to die is either my ability to hear God's voice and ultimately my relationship with Him, or myself. And I understand that when we look at these decisions and when we hear God's voice, we don't always think of it in this scope. And I want to help you this morning to understand what's really happening when God asks, when he says, hey, listen, I want you to, I want you to reach out. I want you to pray for that waitress. I want you to tell somebody about me. I want you to invite somebody to church. I want you to understand what's really going on spiritually. What's really going on spiritually is you stand at a crossroads. And let's be real. It's very easy to just say no. Let's be real. In fact, oftentimes, no doesn't require for us to do anything. God says, I want you to pray for that waitress. No just means I'm going to continue doing what I'm doing. I want you to invite that coworker. To experience my presence. No just means I'm just going to keep working. I want you to put out a yard sign. No just means I'm going to go do what I wanted to do. It can be easy to say no. And sometimes we even use this idea of God, I don't know if it's really you. Because sometimes it can be kind of, ah, is it God? Let me tell you, if somebody's telling you to invite somebody to church, that's not the devil. He don't want your friends to come in here and experience the presence of God like you just did. He doesn't want that. And let me tell you, it's not something you're making up. I don't make up putting myself in uncomfortable positions. I avoid that. Why? It's natural. 
I avoid being in uncomfortable positions. So if something's telling you, share, my, share God's love with this person, let me tell you, it's the Holy Spirit. That is God's voice. That is Him asking you to do that. And if He's asking us to do it, then we stand here at the crossroads of decisions and ultimately at the crossroads of God's call, something will die. Choosing our way will invite that death and destruction into our plans. This is what it did for Jonah. Jonah gets on a boat going the exact opposite direction. And what happens? God sends a storm. And it didn't just affect Jonah, but it infected everybody that was on the whole boat. See, sometimes we invite destruction and death through our disobedience to the voice of God. We invite it. So what's our plan? What's my plan? Is my plan like Jonah's to go the other way? Or maybe I just want to adjust the plan just a little bit, kind of deviate just a little bit. God, let me make it easier. But here's the thing. One no to God makes the rest of the no's easier. God, I, I'm just telling you no to this one. God, I, I just need to say no to praying for this waitress. It makes me uncomfortable, but you know what? That no makes the next no easier, and then the next no easier, and then the next no easier, and all of a sudden you wind up in Tarshish. You wind up on a path, a no path with God. Why, why do we say no to begin with? Man, I, I, I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm afraid. I, I'll list the reasons why I'm afraid. So sometimes I'm afraid that when I say something that God won't show up. Sometimes I'm afraid that when I ask somebody if I can pray with them, they will slap me across the face and walk away and say, I don't believe in that junk. Let me tell you, I've never had a person that I've asked if I could pray for them tell me no. Sometimes I'm just afraid, though. Sometimes, sometimes, and, and you might not believe this, but sometimes I don't feel like I'm qualified enough. Pastor Ken, you? You know all this Bible stuff. <laughs> Listen, y'all. Sometimes my life is a little bit of a mess, too. Sometimes you walk into a place and God says, I want you to pray for that person. I'm like, Lord, do you realize the mess that I've just endured and been through? Do you realize that I just cut somebody off and, and I was not very nice in the parking lot? And you want me to pray for this person? Sometimes we don't feel qualified. Sometimes we don't feel like what we're doing can make a difference. But here's the thing. We've got to remember who we're doing it for, that it's Him that calls us, and it's His responsibility to make something happen. It's His responsibility to do the work. It's His responsibility to do the miracle. It's His responsibility to bring salvation. It's His responsibility to qualify us. It's His responsibility. And guess what? He takes pleasure in doing that when we will sacrifice our pride and die. 
He takes pleasure in doing that. Here's one of the scary things. When we find ourselves on a no path, it's really easy to sleep while other people suffer. This is what happened with Jonah. Scripture tells us that the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted, shouted, shouted to their, they weren't quiet, to their gods for help, and then threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep down in the hold. It's easy when we start saying no to God for us to sleep while everybody else around us suffers. Let's be real. This world is suffering right now. But it's easy if we've said no to God to just drive by them and ignore. It's easy when we kept saying no to God to walk by that person who's in the cubicle weeping because their spouse just left them, to walk by because somebody else will stop and minister to them. It's easy. It's easy to sleep while others suffer when we're on a path to no. And and think about this. It wasn't like they were quiet on that ship. The Bible says they were shouting, they were screaming, y'all, God save us! (laughs) In order for it to be bad enough to throw the cargo overboard, you had to be almost capsizing. Why? Because their livelihood depended on that cargo. A captain could lose his ship and his life if he got rid of his cargo. But they threw the cargo overboard. They weren't quiet, y'all. But imagine Jonah down. Would y'all be quiet up there? Shh. As the boat is heaving back and forth. And he's sleeping. Oh, Pastor Ken. That can't happen to me. I talk with God, don't you? Do you know that you can talk in your sleep? In fact, funny story, my, my brother, uh, I was about 15 years old. My brother, uh, one night, we were, he was sleeping, and I was in bed trying to fall asleep. And all of a sudden, I hear, good evening, this is Dan Rather from Peking, China. <laughs> I asked him the next morning, I'm like, what was that all about? I said his name in that moment. I said, Scott, Scott, Scott. He was dead to the world. He was gone asleep. He was talking in his sleep. Past Pastor Ken. I, I walk with God. Yeah, yeah, it's called sleepwalking sometimes. <laughs> Pastor Ken, you don't understand. I cried in God's presence this morning. You know scientifically you can cry in your sleep. You can cry in your sleep. Pastor Ken, I, I think about God. Yeah, <laughs> we call that dreaming. You know what you can't do in your sleep? Sacrifice. Why? Because sacrifice takes a conscious decision of obedience. See, studies tell us from the conversation.com that did a study, when we, when we sleep, the brain regions critical for paying attention to or implementing instructions are deactivated. Of course, which makes it impossible to start performing a task. 
You know how you can tell if you're not asleep? Are you obeying? Are you sacrificing? Because that's what God, when God calls us to do something, when he calls us to be obedient, it's oftentimes a measure of sacrifice of who we are. It's a measure of sacrifice of my comfort, of what I want. God's calling us to get up on our cross and follow him. See, choosing God's way means we must die to ourself. It means we must die to ourself. See, Jonah, chapter 1, verse 6, the captain comes to Jonah. He said to him, what do you mean, sleeper? So Jonah's sleeping. He's like God. He's dead to the world. Captain comes and says, what are you doing, sleeper? What are you doing sleeping? Come on, man. You could help us solve this. Maybe you could pray to your gods and maybe they would stop this. Maybe, in other words, maybe you have a solution that we don't have. But at the very least, you could help us throw cargo overboard. At the very least, we could use your muscles. But you're sleeping. You're sleeping. See, this, is, this captain was probably not a believer in God. He was probably a, a captain from Tarshish or from uh, the Middle Eastern area, Phoenician captain, something like that. But he was probably not a believer in Yahweh God. Uh, they prayed to other gods on deck there, the Bible tells us. But even he recognized, hey, listen, you might be able to do something at the very least. Your muscles can help us. And then he said this word. Man, when I read this, it was like chills went up and down my spine. And then he said this. He said, arise. Yes. He said, arise. Call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we not, may not perish. Let me tell you, some of us may be sleeping today, but I'm here this morning to say, church, arise. It's time. The world needs your story. The world needs to hear from you, your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers. They need to hear what God has. They need us to sacrifice. Arise. Arise. And the miracle begins when Jonah gets up and he begins sacrificing himself. See, here's what Jonah did. He gets up and they say, who are you? He says, well, I'm a servant of the Most High God. The Bible tells us they were all afraid in that moment. He says, here's what you need to do. Take me, throw me overboard, and then the storm will stop. See, in that moment, they needed a miracle. In that moment, the miracle was birthed through sacrifice. It was birthed through Jonah giving of himself, laying himself down. And I want you to understand that the death of ourself today is the seed that God uses for the miracle. See, when we're willing to, like Paul, Take up our cross and be crucified with him, according to Galatians 2.20. 
He says, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. See, when I say, God, it's not about me, it's about you. I'll give up my comfort. I'll give up what I want. I'll do what you're asking me to do. I'm not going to depend on what feels right, but I'm going to be obedient. When we climb up on that cross of sacrifice, it's the seed that God wants to use to do a miracle in somebody life. And let me tell you, the same presence that you experienced this morning is the presence that goes with you because it's God's presence. The Holy Spirit goes with you. You are the church. You go out there. You witness. And His presence is with you. And guess what? When you will take His presence and sacrifice yourself, God will do miracles. He'll follow His word. He'll follow his word. Here's the thing I know. This week, this week, someone will find Christ because we will die to ourselves. This week, Someone will find Jesus because I know a church that is rising up, that's dying to themselves, who will let somebody see Jesus through us. We're going to talk about how in just a minute, but first, you heard from Pastor Brent last week. I want to let you hear from him again as he tells us some ideas on how. Hey, what's up, risers? Hey, man, last week I got to share with you some ideas of how you could help us prepare for Easter. And Pastor Kieran did an outstanding job also helping to prepare. And so I trust that you have been praying about this, that you've been thinking about this, maybe you've been talking back and forth with your family and friends and and other people and thinking what you could do to help in this moment of propulsion. Because I really believe we are in a unique moment in the history of our church. And if we all come together, we can actually experience the fullness of what God wants to do through this unique season. In fact, I was just, again, thinking about how many things God has done recently in our church and, and thinking about a person who's not been to church in over 10 years that showed up a couple weeks ago and rededicated their life to Christ after not being here or not being in any church for 10 years. Uh, another person that I just Sweat. talked to uh, the other day that was that was healed, they had a stomach pain, uh, or I'm sorry, back pain that was actually going around through their stomach. They had gone to the doctor. The doctor had no explanation for what was going on. And uh, during a prayer service, they were radically healed. And it's not just all those things. Sometimes it's the other things. Like, like I know a teenager I just heard a testimony of who was battling with depression and suicide thoughts and had a youth leader that came along beside them and began to restore them and love on them. Listen, that's what our church does. It's a legacy when you sow into our church through your service, through the way that you take care and minister to other people. And I believe right now, as you heard about last week, the harvest is ripe. This is a moment where God is sending the harvest field back to Tampa Bay, the Bay of the Holy Spirit, and He's expecting churches like ours to rise up and receive that harvest. In fact, Jesus once said to His disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, you need to pray for the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the fields. Listen, we 
are the workers. And I am praying that you are going to be sent out in the field. And I'm praying that God sends others to send out in the field. And that I am being sent out in the field. Because we are fishers of men. And in this moment, the fish are biting. They are all around us. The shaking that's happened in America, the changes. People are asking questions they have not always asked. I'll remind you that crisis precedes revival. Uh, Not that it always does, but coming out of a crisis is a moment that revival can show up inside of a inside of a region. And I'm believing for that right now. So like we said last year, we or I'm sorry, last week, we have to prepare for it. We got to prepare for this moment so that we can steward what God wants to do. So I asked you last week and I'll ask you again. Number one, uh, we need you to serve. Have you considered serving? This is your opportunity to step up. If everybody jumped in and served, you'd really only need to serve, you know, once a month, maybe even less. I know we definitely need volunteers within the kids ministry. And so hopefully you've been praying and considering volunteering inside of our kids ministry. And again, if everybody volunteers, and I really believe we can have plenty of volunteers, you're really only serving once a month. It's not like it's going to take a lot out of your time. And then you can serve one, attend one when it comes to services. But then it gets to the heavier stuff. Uh, We asked you last week to possibly consider switching from 11 o'clock service to 9 o'clock service and and praying about that and what that would look like for your family and and would you be willing to do that. And so I trust that you've been praying and considering that. That would start on Easter Sunday, this coming Sunday. And then thirdly, would you consider switching to our South Shore campus? Uh, They have room in South Shore. We're running out of room in Brandon. And God is doing awesome things there. And I'm really excited about Pastor Pete and Pastor Johnny and Pastor and different people that are down there and what they're bringing to the table. And you can actually help them break that 200 barrier. You can help them by being volunteers and you get to empty up a seat in Brandon. And in that seat, somebody will experience God. And so uh, would you consider, those are the two big ones. And and I hope you've been praying about it. I hope you're considering it. Here's the thing. Not everybody's called to do it, but if you feel prompted by the Holy Spirit, maybe God is calling you to do some of those things. And then fifthly, we need you to invite some And you heard lots of good information of how to invite last week from Pastor Kieran. Uh, You're going to get some more of that today from Pastor Ken. But I will remind you that 82% of people who are unchurched say they would come to church if they were simply invited. Yet only 2%, statistically only 2% of people, Christians, ever invite somebody to church. That is sad. That should never be the case. And this is a moment that's so easy to invite people to church. And so we encourage you to take these next steps and and this next week and really lean into inviting people to church through all the different resources that we are giving you. I really believe this is a moment to shine amidst the dark world that we are in. And I would much rather light a candle than curse the darkness. And I'll remind you, arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of God rises upon you. It's not just a verse, it's a command. And we want to receive that command from the Lord and do the best we can to arise and shine. I hope and I pray that you're willing to partner with us, uh, that you're willing to minister, be the star that God's called you to be, be a shooting star, shooting into some other areas of ministry. And now let's hand it back off to Pastor Ken. Would you put your hands together as he finishes out this message for us? Here's the thing, someone will find Christ because we will die to ourselves this week. There's somebody, maybe a neighbor, maybe a friend, who will get to see Jesus for the first time. And so what are you going to do? How are you going to die to yourself? Because here's the thing, as Pastor Brent mentioned, not every 
Not everybody is called to do everything. But maybe, maybe your sacrifice, because it is a sacrifice, is to change locations, go to South Shore. And we've had some folks who've come to us this week and they've said, you know what, we're going we're gonna to go to South Shore. We feel like the Lord's calling us down there. And if that's what God's calling you to do, that's incredible. That's amazing. It's not going to be for everybody. Maybe God is asking you to shift your service. And maybe you getting up on the cross is you getting out of bed an hour earlier. Bro, let's be real. That's a cross some of us don't want to climb. Come on now. Sleep. But there are other things that could be your cross too. Maybe your cross is sitting closer to the people around you. Maybe it's seeing somebody that you don't recognize out on Main Street and inviting them to sit next to you. Maybe, and ladies, I know this is suffering here. Maybe it's not having a seat for your purse. (laughs) Jesus. That preacher just went and said that. (sighs) But here's the thing. When I'm willing to climb up on that cross... When I'm willing to sacrifice something that I'm comfortable with because God's asked me to, we open up the door for someone else to experience the same presence that changed you. And that's what we want to do. Maybe that moment for you is putting up a yard sign. Now, I, I know that some of you have HOAs. I know that you can't do that. I'm not asking you to break your HOA. Maybe your moment is to go put up door hangers and to make a, make a night with your kid, kids and, and go put up door hangers at every door in your neighborhood or find somebody else's neighborhood and do it. <laughs> Maybe God's not calling you to put your yard sign in your yard. Maybe he's calling you to put it in your neighbor's yard. <laughs> Don't tell him I told you to do that. I did not. I said, maybe. Or maybe God's calling you to reach out to that person who took your promotion and to invite them to experience a God who changed your life. Who could he change? We're going to be doing all kinds of things this week. We're going to be, you're going to see social media promotion. We want to encourage you to share every social media post you see. Share them all. Even if your friends get annoyed with it, that's when we climb up on our cross and say, it's not for me, but that one friend who doesn't but needs to see this, then maybe they'll be the one that that comes and experiences God's presence. We're going to send out a text blast later this week. I encourage you to take it and send it out to five people. Be praying, asking God, God, who do you want me to invite this week? Who can I text to invite this week? And when you get that text blast, send it out, forward it, forward it to five people, the five people that God's been putting on your heart. Because here's the thing, God is speaking. Are we answering yes or are we answering no? He's speaking. He's speaking about people that are right next door to you. 
And, and here's the thing. I, I hear all of the reasons why we can't. Do you know what we call reasons why we can't? Excuses. And here's the thing. Excuses are plentiful on the path that says no. But man, the path that says yes to God is surrounded by his creativity. Let me share with you a couple of examples. Someone last week came to me and we were talking. I asked them if they wanted a yard sign. They said, oh, Pastor Ken, I can't. I live in an apartment. I said, well, you can put it in your window. I said, Pastor Ken, I can't because of what I do. I, just, I can't do that. I said, well, here's the deal. Find an intersection where people drive by. Put it there. Oh, Pastor Ken, well, what would happen if somebody pulled it up? I don't care. Here's the thing. This thing... It's about two bucks and 50 cents. If one person sees this, it's worth it. So they caught the vision and they went out and put it on the corner of K and Tampa. Where thousands of cars pass by. And they came to me and they said, oh, Pastor Ken, thank you. Because I put it where thousands of cars are seeing it. And you know what? I need to get some more because I got another intersection I got to do. Thousands more are going to say, Here, here's the thing that I need you to understand. It takes at least four to five times of somebody seeing this symbol right here so that they can look at it when you invite them and they can say, oh, I've seen that. I, maybe I'll check it out. Allowing thousands of people to see it and to see this idea that death is defeated and maybe you can have life. Oh, it's worth it. This person, they got their kids involved. Their kids were like secret sleuths. They drove by one day. The kid's like, Mom, Mom, pull over. It fell down. She's like, Aah! gets out, goes stomping it in. And then, Mom, hurry, get back in the car. Okay. Listen. How many people's lives will be changed because we sacrifice ourselves? Maybe your call, I know it's hard, is to change our driving habits and to stop cutting people off and giving them single finger salutes so that we can put a bumper sticker on our car. I know, I know. I'm asking a lot. But imagine if somebody sees an angel who lets them in as opposed to a speed demon who cuts them off. What can God do? Here's the, here's the thing. What is God asking you to do? I will make it very clear. He is not asking everyone in the room to do the exact same things because he's a God of creativity. But what is he asking you to do? It's our obedience. When he says, which way will you go? You've come to the crossroads. I'm asking you to go. It's our obedience that changes everything. See, let me tell you what happened in the story of Jonah. He got swallowed by a whale. Pastor Ken, that's crazy. I don't know if that's real. Well, it actually happened to a real guy here in the last century. It happened. He was in the belly of the whale for three days, came out, skin all bleh. It's, it's okay. The whale spit Jonah out. 
He went to Nineveh. He gives the message. And 120,000 people put on sackcloth, which was a sign of repentance, put ashes on their head, began to walk around repenting to God for what they had done. Even the king of Nineveh did that. Why? Because Jonah eventually said yes. What could God do with your yes? Whose life could God change because of your yes? Who could he do a miracle in because of your yes? Would you stand with me? I want to just ask you one final question. Because God is calling us to step into a world that may not be comfortable, to a place of a cross that says, Lord, I'll give up for you because I want your life. I want the hope that you bring to be with somebody else. And so the, the question that I want to ask is, what needs to die in me so that someone else might live? What needs to die in me so that someone else might live? And I challenge you, I, I pray that that question, I pray that you, that you live with it today, that you sleep with it tonight, that the Holy Spirit just keeps bringing it up to you because I believe that God's speaking and that we know what needs to die in us. And I'm praying that He asks us again. So Holy Spirit, right now, Lord, I pray that you would speak. I pray that you would show us, Lord, what you're asking for us to give up. Show us what you're calling to die. Show us the uncomfortable place that you're asking us to step in. Hey, Lord, if, if you're calling for our fear to die, our excuses to die, Lord, we lay them down at your feet. We give them to you. Lord, we give it up. Lord, show us. And Father, I pray that you would just keep asking. Lord, if we've said no and we've begun to tune down the voice that you speak to us with, Lord, keep asking, Father. I pray that you would reawaken the ask, Lord. I pray that you would take, take the sleeping, hearing, uh, hearing earplugs out of our ears, Lord, so that we can hear you. Wake us up, oh God. Because, Lord, we know that you're calling us so that a world might have life. This morning, if you're here under the sound of my voice, it's not just about next week where God wants to give life. He wants to give life this morning. He is a God of life, of hope, of future. And he wants to have a relationship with you right now. That is the most important decision that you can make. And, and yes, it may feel weird. It may seem a little bit uncomfortable to have a relationship with a God that you don't get to see. But I'm going to tell you, it's real. He wants to speak with you. He wants to know you. He wants to, he wants to, have, to walk with you through all of life's journey. And this morning, if you say, Pastor Ken, I don't have that relationship with God. But man, I, I want that. Right now, right where you are, with every head bowed, every eye closed, would you just wave at me? I want to pray for you. 
I just want to walk you through that moment, that opportunity. Thank you, Jesus. Church, would you pray, say, Jesus, this morning, I give you my life. I ask that you would come into my heart, forgive my sins, and bring me the life that you promised. Bring me the hope that you promised. Jesus, I choose you as my Lord and Savior today and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, would you consider subscribing and sharing this on all your social platforms? If you are moved by the message and would love to share your testimony, please email it to amen at myariseChurch.com. I pray you leave here feeling encouraged. See you next time. Thank you.